today on Unpacked. Have you had your eggs checked? Your egg levels checked? And I just said, no, of course not. I'm sure I'll be okay. You know, it's not something that you expect or, mm. or are ready for. And if surrogacy was the only route, as far and as remote as it was, I was going to explore that option. Mm. I think many of us, including me, suffered from post-traumatic stress. You know, mm. the number of needles, the, the, the suctions, the, the scans. Some women struggle with fertility and opt to use a surrogate to conceive. Both of our guests are here to share their stories. Let's unpack. Robin Friedman is an attorney whose journey to conception was challenging for her and her husband. After a decade of battling to have children, the couple eventually sought alternative means, including surrogacy, and are now the parents of three children. It was after a conversation with a stranger about the health of her eggs that Belito-based Joe Hall found out that the only way she would be able to carry would be through surrogacy. After several failed attempts and trials and tribulations in between, she is now the mother of three. These are their stories. Let's unpack. Joining us via VideoCon, we have Joe. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks, Lebo. And we also me. have Robin. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Lebo. Joe, I'm going to start with you. At what point did you actually realize and discover that you have some fertility issues and what are those issues? Um, so it was truly by coincidence. I was very into my career and I wasn't thinking of having kids at all. I just thought it was obviously going to happen at some stage, mm. um, and I was just having a pedicure and the lady next to me was in tears and I asked her what was wrong. And she said that she had just found out that her fertility treatment had failed. Mm. And um, I was asking her about it and she said to me, have you had your eggs checked, your egg levels checked? And I just said, no, of course not. I'm sure I'll be okay. Mm. And she said, no, you've to get that tested how old are you and I was in my 30s late 30s and um she said well how do you know they're going to be okay I mm. said I just I'm sure they will be I haven't had, I actually had had some um problems with endometriosis um which is quite a common condition but I just ne never thought that would affect fertility and she said book an appointment and she gave me the number of a fertility clinic and I went into the car park and I booked an appointment mm -hmm. and had some blood tests done and that alerted me to the fact that I was not okay at all in terms of fertility mm. and um, I was going to have some serious problems ahead. Um, I had bad egg quality and, bad, uh, and a few amount of eggs left mm. and... Um, I needed to get started right away if there was any chance of having children. And, and how, how did yep. you take those news? Yeah, and I was shocked. Mm. Um, you know, I wasn't ready for it at all. I was into my career. That was kind of all I was focused on. And, um, you know, it's not something that you expect or, mm. or are ready for. Um, 
But I knew that I had to act because I knew that I did want children, maybe not at that point immediately, but I knew that I wanted children. Mm. And um, furthermore, I then, when I went to see the doctor the fertility clinic, um, I, I suffer from migraines, mm. which is um, it's kind of it's a chronic condition and it's been for 22 years. So that further added to the fact that I wouldn't be able to take my prophylactic treatment or any acute medicine if I were to fall pregnant. Mm. Mm. Um, so that migraine disorder, coupled with the fact that I'd had um, problems with endometriosis, meant that not only did I need to look at freezing, freezing some embryos, harvesting, harvesting eggs and freezing embryos, but mm. I also needed to look at finding a surrogate if, if this was ever going to happen. And at the time, so, were, you, were you in a relationship? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. So that helped. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and then kind of the whole, the whole journey evolved. I mean, it's been a long journey. Um, I, so so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to that um, just mm. in terms of how... It, how you even got introduced to the concept of surrogacy and everything. But I'd like to find out from you, Robin, how did you discover that you had issues with uh, fertility? So I, um, I started fertility treatments um, in the year 2000, some 21 years ago. Um, my husband and I at the time were just not falling pregnant. And after a year, Magani referred me on to a fertility clinic. And I went on um, having many uh, failed uh, in vitro fertilization treatments. I had um, over a 10-year period, eight failed IVF treatments. Mm. And um, I started exploring surrogacy about um, 19 years ago because I, with all the fertility treatment I was having, it, um, it, it was a pre acted as a precursor for an autoimmune condition, which became mm. quite serious. And I then consulted with medical experts and they said it would be best for me not to carry my own pregnancy. Mm. And about 19 years ago, I was the only other person I'd ever heard of other than the grandmom in Zanin who had done a surrogacy for her daughter. Mm. Uh, the fertility clinic that I was at at the time had never um, performed any surrogacy treatment on, on a surrogate before. So I was kind of the, the new experiment. And what do you and mean? What do you mean by performing surrogacy treatment? And maybe take us back to how that journey happened. Of you discover that you know you're struggling to fall pregnant with your with your partner. You get advised that it's it's probably not going to be a great idea for you to carry. And then how are you introduced to the concept of surrogacy? Because we know it's not really spoken much about. And what is that surrogacy treatment that you then went on? So after I received a diagnosis of the autoimmune condition, I was um, I was actually quite petrified of becoming pregnant. Mm. And um, my husband and I were desperate to be parents. Um, we had always uh, looked after nieces and nephews. And my husband at the time was very involved with children and children's sports. And it was just something that we were both passionate about. And I don't even know how it wasn't even suggested to me at the time by the fertility clinic that I explore the roots of surrogacy, but it just kind of popped into my head one day and I suggested to the doctors, I said, what about using a surrogate mother, which was such a foreign concept to everybody at the time. But 
fortunately, I don't know, I was actually thinking today how I'd ever entered my mind, but it just occurred to me that if I was going to have a child, I was going to do everything in my power imaginable to become a mom. Mm. And if surrogacy was the only route, as far and as remote as it was, I was going to explore that option. And what I then did was I suggested it to the fertility clinic and they thought about it and started doing their own research on how to do the treatment on the surrogate mother, which in effect is actually the same because whether I'm doing the treatment or whether the surrogate is doing the treatment, it's just a question of aligning my cycle to take out my eggs and then and then fertilizing the embryos and having her on standby and ready to retrieve, to receive my embryos. So let's just clarify for all of the viewers because, you know, you, you, you are speaking about treatment. I want us to explain in detail what we're talking about. In essence, we're talking about hormone treatment that prepares the body. And um, in the case of if they're using your own eggs, they would be fertilized. So just explain all of that so that the viewers can understand when you say treatment, what you mean. Okay, so we call we, today the term of treatment is called artificial fertilization treatment. Mm. It means that a woman's body is artificially um, treated with hormones. Mm. So generally, a woman in my position and in Joe's position um, have to undergo artificial fertilization treatment. This means that our bodies are artificially stimulated with a series of hormones to maximize our own egg production. Mm. And this is in a case where we're assuming that um, women like us can produce our own eggs. Yes. Um, we first try with our own eggs and um, after undergoing numerous series of injections of hormones, mainly progesterone, estrogen, um, a treatment to maximize the egg production, the, you will then undergo regular scans to see how many follicles, that you, mm-hmm. follic, egg follicles you have in your ovaries. And you go for scans approximately every three to four days so that the doctors can monitor the growth of your eggs. And when the doctors feel that you are ready to release all of your eggs, you are then um, taken into theater and a mild sedative is applied to you. And the doctors then literally suck the eggs out of the ovaries. And that's called your egg harvesting Mm. or egg retrieval process, those eggs are then taken out um, of your body and taken to the laboratory of the fertility clinic where, um, and I'm sure you've all heard the Petri dish story where Mm. babies are conceived in a Petri dish where your eggs and your partner's sperm are then fertilized in a Petri dish. And then the embryos are grown and monitored on a daily basis. Mm. Um, some embryos will die off very early on in the process. And the one and the stronger embryos will hopefully progress to an advanced stage, which we, we call a blastocyst stage. Mm. And this is normally the ideal embryo structure to, to be implanted in a surrogate mother. So, and in, so basically daily, that process... Um, you know, just so that we are all on the same page and understanding. That process is the treatment that you are on that continuously failed. You had the failed attempts in that either the embryos died or what was it that happened in your case before sharing uh, with us what happens in the case of having a surrogate? So generally, yes, that's 100% correct. So um, I had very poor quality eggs from Mm. the beginning, even though I was only 29 at the time that I started my fertility treatment. My egg production and quality was extremely poor. Um, We had maybe after eight um, in vitro fertilization treatments, I probably was able to only transfer about four embryos Mm. um, into my own uterus. 
Um, and all of these attempts failed. I was never, ever able to get a positive pregnancy in, in 10 years of treatment. Mm, okay. Now, that makes complete sense. So now, let me come back to uh, you, Joe. In your story then, at what point um, did you now say, okay, cool, there's this thing called surrogacy that I'm going to try and this is how I'm going to do it? Um, well, for me, I when I went to the fertility clinic, and um, they said to me, you've got some problems <laughs> mm. and you're going to need to, you know, start harvesting and getting some, making some embryos and freezing them. Um, when I told them about my migraine condition combined with um, the embryo endometriosis, they recommended that I call Robin. And um, it was Robin that told me all about the surrogacy. Mm and what the options were. And I actually, I saw Robin initially, and then it um, it sounded like quite a lot, and I left it. And then I got my head around it, and I went back to Robin. Mm. And um, that's how the journey for my first child started. Mm. Um, and we had a journey there, and then I went back to Robin um, one or two years later and then had another separate journey for my twins. And, and um, we're going to, so, you know, get into the part of the fact that you have three children. Uh, Robin, so for you, I mean, at that time, you were saying the fertility clinic that you were going to, they had never done this before. So now uh, explain to us how you got to the process of finding a surrogate. How did you look for a surrogate to it then being great, the surrogate needs to come into the picture. And then having the conversation around whose eggs are being used. Sure. So um, at the time, I just applied logic. I mean, I didn't really know how to find a surrogate. And um, I just started speaking to absolutely everybody that I that I knew that came across my path. I decided that I wasn't going to have any shame in this. Um, it wasn't my fault. And I needed to talk about it. Um, I also felt that by talking about it, it would also be part of my own healing process. Because one needs to mourn the fact that you're not going to be able to carry your own children. And I also had a very strong possibility that I wasn't going to be able to use my own genetic material. Mm. Um, and that was very painful for me to, to get through. So at the time I was working, um, I was I was working at a law firm and um, I was very close to the staff at the firm and my the bookkeeper or accountant at our offices um, introduced me to her daughter. She had um, told her daughter my story and her daughter, who was a mother of two children at the time, um, came in and met me and she said, look, you know, I would really like to help you. You have a wonderful wow. relationship with my mom and it would be an amazing thing for me to do this for you. And that's how I found my surrogate, um, generally, just, just, just literally by word of mouth. And that's what I still encourage parents today to do because surrogates are very difficult to come by. Mm -hmm. And the more you talk about it and the more you spread the word amongst your family and friends, the easier it's going to be to find mm -hmm. a surrogate. Mm. And that's absolutely amazing because we've actually spoken to a surrogate on the show who um, she went the agency route and that's how she found her couple that she carried for. So I think it's beautiful that you had somebody in your life whose daughter said, I would love to do this for you. Uh, in the case of yourself, um, Joe, did you, how did you find your first surrogate? Um, well, after chatting to Robin, we, um, again, word of mouth, um, asking everyone. And uh, our, we actually ended up having, for my first child, we ended up 
being successful only on our third surrogate. So what happened with the first two? And how, the how first, um, who the were they? And not names like who were they in your in your word of mouth picture? The um my mom suffers from migraines too. So her the, our first surrogate happened to be her um biokineticist. And um yeah. Wow. She um yeah, so she agreed to to do it for us, and we went to Robin to do all the legal work, and then obviously used the fertility clinic. There's a multitude of um, physical tests um, and examinations that the surrogate has to have, and um, and then obviously the IVF process to harvest the eggs and then the implants um, into the surrogate, and that implant didn't work. So um, we then set about on finding another surrogate and this surrogate Robin found for us, the second surrogate. Is there a reason, just so we can understand, if with the one surrogate um, it doesn't work, is it an automatic that you move on to someone else? Like what is that conversation like when, um, you know, your your surrogate tries to to carry for you and it doesn't work out? Is it a definite that you need to go to someone else? No, it's not a definite that you need to go to someone else. Um, in this case, um, that surrogate whom the implant had failed for actually just said to us, look, um, I wanted to give it one try. Mm. Um, she was in her 40s. Wow. I wanted to give it one try, but um, I'm not really up for doing it again. Mm. And... Um, the doctor actually advised us to perhaps try and find someone younger. Mm, mm. Um, so then we found um, another amazing lady that was willing to to do it for us and um, through Robin. And we started the um, all the blood tests and all the examinations and we got halfway through and the doctor at the fertility clinic just said to me, look, with the quality of my eggs um, and the quality of this lady's womb, he just said he would rather hold out and wait mm. for someone who had the absolute perfect, perfect, perfect womb mm. um, for me to use kind of like our one bullet on, you know. And actually hearing so, those words sounds so painful like oh the quality of your womb the quality of your eggs that's terrible it's like it sounds, <laughs> i'm listening to that i'm it like this is awful. it sounds so yes, impersonal yes yes yeah um it actually maybe helps to make it sound a bit impersonal when you're mm. actually going through it mm. um so then we decided we didn't want to also put that surrogate through through the whole journey only for it maybe to not work and also for us to use our embryos that Mm. were, you know, we only at that stage had two left. And um, so we then found another surrogate through Robin. Uh, This lady was based in a different city from us, which I also just wanted to mention is important to know that logistically, and you'll see with my twin surrogate as well, um, where that surrogate and us, and the fertility clinic were all in different cities. Mm. It still worked. Mm. So even with the most difficult of logistics, it can still work. Because mm. I initially panicked thinking she's in a different city. How is this ever going to work? It works. Um, 
you can get over all of those hurdles. Mm. And yeah, that's how we found our third surrogate. Um, and then, yeah, through Robin and we went through the whole process and um, that's how my son was conceived. Or, well, just in, in, I think in a nutshell, maybe share with us what that experience was like because it is your first time having, mm. having you know, and I think it's critical, it's your embryo with your partner. Yeah. With another woman yeah. carrying in another city. Like, how do you even yeah. deal with that emotionally? Because I just feel like I'd want to be next to her every day, 24-7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you seriously have to, you've got to let go. In the beginning, you're kind of like, what is she eating for breakfast, lunch, dinner? What is she, what is she drinking? Um, I mean, my diet is abysmal. So actually, I think anyone would be healthier than than I am. So yes. it probably was a godsend that someone else carried my baby. But um, you actually have to, you're kind of like that for the first week. And then you realize you're actually going to kill yourself with anxiety mm. unless you take a step back. Mm. Um, and it helps also to have a good relationship with, the sur- with your surrogate. So, you know, we would speak kind of every second day. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of trust involved because the process of, for the first three months, um, which is obviously that first trimester, which is quite risky, um, your surrogate has to have an injection every single day at the same time, mm. um, an intramuscular injection. So you've got to trust that your surrogate's going to do that at the same time. She's not going to forget, you mm. know, kind of you, you can't keep reminding. You've got to kind of let go at a mm. certain certain point. But mm. it was difficult because at, it, it was twins. And then um, at seven weeks, we got a call at two in the morning that, that she was bleeding. And so we, you're quite far removed mm. and you're in a different city and you can't be there and you don't have a doctor to scan mm. scan her and you've just got to let this terrible tragedy or drama unfold while you're on the other side of the phone waiting to see what's going to happen. Are you going to lose both, both mm. babies? Are you going to lose one? Is everything going to be fine? And um, she then miscarried one and mm. the other one survived. Wow. So that in itself was, yeah, it was, I mean, she was amazing. She did everything she could and, and kept us informed. But that mm. was really a, that stands out for me as one of the most stressful times because you were really helpless. Um, and I think, of course, there are so many um, dynamics to the relationship and to that part of your journey that you can't even articulate um, the number of emotions that, you know, you have this relationship with this person who is basically a stranger but is giving you the greatest gift. Yeah, it was a total stranger. In fact, when you, I always laugh how when you, when Robin recommends the surrogate for you, you have to make this call, this cold call to a stranger and basically be like, hi, I heard you may carry my baby for me. (laughs) My name is Joe. And you just have this total random phone call with a random stranger who's, about to do you this life-changing, mm. this life-changing thing for you, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got to kind of have a conversation. It's it's just kind of it's a bit surreal, mm. um, and yeah, and but that that works out. And then you've um, once the first trimester is over, it gets it gets a bit easier. Um, and how how was and that I, um, delivery? 
Were you able yeah, to, to be, um, you know, in the same hospital when the delivery happened? Yeah, you actually, so you can document all of this. You get a surrogacy motherhood agreement and it's all agreed up front, which is, which is quite nice. So there's no uncertainty. So you actually agree what will happen on the day, right down to who will be in the room. Mm. Um, so your surrogate can say, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable with only you being in the room or you and your husband being in the room. Um, so lucky enough, my, has, my surrogate was comfortable with both of us being in the room. And um, she can choose what birth, what birth she wants, whether she wants a natural birth or a Caesar. Mm. Um, we, she chose a Caesar because she was in a different city mm. and we were lucky she did because we didn't want to miss the birth. Mm. So we wanted it to be planned that, you know, we could fly down and, and, and be there. And then, yeah, we were literally just holding her hand and she had the Caesar and then you are given this baby always think it's quite weird because like you go in, it's like you're just getting a pet because you've got none of the hormones going through your yes, body. Yes. Because, you you know, you, you it's all removed. You know, you've had your IVF months ago, yes. you know, nine months ago, and you just, you're in a different city. Your baby is in someone else's tummy. You've had scans through video call or you've been able to fly to some scans mm. and then you just, arrive at a ho- at the hospital and you get a baby the next day. Wow. So it's all kind of it's all kind of quite a strange feeling and then you this your baby is literally handed to you from as it comes out of her her womb. And your baby's handed to you and your husband. Mm. Um yeah. Rob, Robin your journey was a little bit different in that it took a while to get to the point of the surrogacy. What happened that you opted to go for adoption with your first child? Well, what happened was my uh, my first surrogate mother, the treatment with her unfortunately didn't work. It just mm-hmm. wasn't, um, it really wasn't going very well. The whole procedure, the planning at the clinic, um, and I think also, I don't think that she was a really healthy candidate. So that didn't work out. And then a few years later, about two years later, I managed to find a second surrogate mother. And um, it was just, uh, it wasn't a happy journey. I just felt that she was doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. And I remember signing a surrogate motherhood agreement, making changes um, on her hospital bed the day she was going to have my embryos transferred into her uterus. She asked for all sorts of changes to be made. And um, I was almost held ransom on the day. Um, But when you're in such a desperate situation, I just Mm. thought I've come this far, so desperate to become a mom. Um, Let me just go ahead and have these embryos transferred into her uterus. And we did. Um, We transferred two embryos. And I went home and I just remember praying that it would never work. As desperate as I was, I realized she was completely the wrong sort of person Mm. to be carrying my child. And thank goodness um, it didn't work with her because I think it would have been a horrendous experience. And we got a negative pregnancy result. And after that, I was almost, um, I was adamant at that point in time that I didn't want to go through the surrogacy route again. And I then started exploring um, the adoption route. And um, after um, about a two-year wait, um, I received um, the beautiful news that I was getting my daughter and I was able to to have um, my daughter literally from birth 
And then two years later, we adopted our second daughter. Um, well, so I was at the birth um, with my with the birth mom during the second um, adoption. The two years after I adopted my second daughter, in fact, it was a little bit less than that, um, a very close friend of mine um, called me and she said that she had met the most unbelievable person at um, her daughter's swimming lesson um, who had heard about our story within the community. And um, she had approached um, my friend and asked her whether... Um, I would look at having a surrogate mother again because mm. she really wanted to help my husband and I. And she had heard of us via friends of friends. Um, and when I got received this phone call, I said to my friend, look, you know, I'm really over this. I have my two children. I don't really want to go down the surrogacy route again. And she just said to me, Robin, you have to meet this girl. This is not somebody that you meet every day. This is somebody really special. And I said to her, okay, I'll meet her for coffee. And... Um, well, the rest was history. I had one coffee meeting with her and she was the most unbelievable person I think I'd ever met. Mm. Kind and generous and just so willing to gift me with this. Um, she said she'd wanted to be a surrogate for as long as she had ma was married, but unfortunately her husband at the time would not allow it. Mm. And she said the first thing that happened to her after she got divorced was she had remembered my name and she she wanted to be in touch with me. Wow. And it was almost like a godsend and, and we got on incredibly well. My journey with her was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I then moved fertility clinics. I went to a very good clinic who I felt was really looking after us on a, on a not only on an emotional basis, but also they were far more scientific in their, in their mm. treatment structure and had a holistic approach. Um, our nutrition, our diets were changed. Mm. Everything was changed to accommodate another pregnancy. And um, it just went beautifully from day one. We fell pregnant first time, which was ab absolutely miraculous that in 10 years, there was never, ever a hope of a pregnancy. Were these, were these your first eggs time. that were used? Was it your eggs that were used for this pregnancy? So what actually happened, Lebo, was that at this point in time, you know, one thing that I think many women out there can identify with mm. is the invasiveness of the number of treatments that our bodies can actually handle. Mm. I think many of us, including me, suffered from post-traumatic stress. You know, mm. the number of needles, the, the, the suctions, the, the scans, it's consistently invasive. It, mm. is, it is the most callous process that a woman has to undergo. Um, and I'd had enough. I just couldn't face another IVF treatment. And I said to my doctor, I'm not doing this again. I cannot. I think every one of us going through treatment reach a point where that's our break point. We know that we cannot undergo another mm. IVF process. And I also tell this to all my clients, you know, I let them decide when they really, where they will know themselves when they've reached that breaking point where mm. they just cannot do it anymore. And, um, I then chose an egg donor. It was interesting because in those years, um, egg donors were actually very hard to come by as well, not only mm. surrogates. Today, egg donors are actually very easily um, uh, obtainable. Mm. But in those days, I actually had to share her eggs with another couple. We just we weren't even told anything about the donor. I didn't know her, her identity. You still don't really know identities. But we were just so grateful for any woman who would be prepared to hand over her eggs. Mm. And um, I shared her eggs with another couple and we were very blessed with a first-time pregnancy and um, a good batch of embryos. I still have frozen embryos at the laboratory. I think about six left. Mm. And um, we had this beautiful, smooth, seamless pregnancy with my surrogate. She was so protective of us didn't want to alert us. When she had bleeding, she went to the hospital herself and mm. phoned us afterwards and said, look, I've taken care of it. I didn't want to stress you out. There's mm. nothing to worry about. I had a bleed. And we just had a beautiful journey with her. She was undemanding, completely undemanding. Never asked for anything throughout the whole process. And 
it was just one of those incredible experiences. And my husband and I picked her up early in the morning on the day of the birth. And um, we were both in the hospital room with her. Fortunately, she lived in Johannesburg, not too far away from us. Yeah. And we were very involved. Um, I, in fact, I took my two daughters with during during the scan so that they could also see their baby brother grow. Mm. It was important for them to see how their brother was coming into the world mm. as opposed to their birth story, which was quite different to his. And um, I just, I know Joe said that, you know, you handed this baby, but I think what happened, our experience was because we were present with the surrogate was watching our baby grow through the scans. The bonding was instantaneous. Mm. I mean, I just loved him from the moment I saw him on the scan. Um, and because my surrogate was just such an incredible human being, I mean, we loved her and she was almost like part of the family. Mm. And um, we were both in the birthing room on the day that my son was born. And um, it was quite a very traumatic experience, the whole birth, because very unfortunately for us, after everything we had endured, um, the clinic did not take into account the varying blood types that were being operational in this whole surrogacy mm. process. There was my husband's blood, there was the surrogate's blood supply, and then there was the egg donor's blood mm. supply. And unfortunately, they were all conflicting. And my son was born extremely ill. Mm. Um, he was in ICU for about eight weeks. And mm. um, three pediatricians later, we finally got a diagnosis. And thank God, um, we were able to sort that problem out. And he's, yeah, he, he came home after about eight weeks in ICU. And uh, he's 12 years old today and the most incredible child. Um, mm. So we're very blessed. And that's, a very quite, different that's definitely quite a journey um, that you've been on. It's a huge journey. And I just think if I can just give any message of advice to any woman struggling with, in, struggling with infertility, just don't give up. Mm. You know, you, you've got to just keep batting on. For as long as you are emotionally and financially able to sustain yourself through this process, just find the means just to pick yourself up, mm. pick up the pieces and start again. You might not be able to use your own eggs. You might have to resort to donor eggs. It's mm. not the end of the world. Yeah. There are fabulous egg donors out there. And I know in many of our cultural communities, particularly amongst our black communities, it's very difficult to talk about surrogacy. Mm. That's okay. You know, you can talk to surrogacy through me or through people who have been through it and keep it very quiet and just do what needs to be done to become a mother. Mm. It's a pity that there is a lot of shame surrounding infertility in general. So even the idea, I would say, in black communities of, and, and I say this, knowing and understanding that culturally, if I as a woman am unable to conceive, we would actually just bring in a sister. So it's not like surrogacy is something that is not known. It was just not done the same way that it's done now where it's a stranger and there's a contract. There might have been a relative yes. that stood in where, you know, it was completely hush and no one would know so that you could be able to have a child or even if, you know, a man is unable to have a child with his wife, his brother might be the one to step in to assist so that at least the genes remain within the same family. So it's not that it's a completely foreign concept. I just think there's a lot of shame around infertility in general. It's absolutely correct. I see amongst my um, my black clients in particular that things are changing and that it, the surrogacy is becoming quite an, a novel topic of discussion. And more and more of my black clients are becoming easier um, around the, the surrogacy process. And um, I have had some very tragic stories where a client of mine um, 
had to get divorced from the family because she was infertile. She came mm. to me for surrogacy and the next thing I knew I was doing her divorce. And that was incredibly difficult for her. Um, but the, the joy of that is she's doing surrogacy on her own now. Mm. Um, so, you know, there are always ways and means of becoming a mom. And the more people talk about it, the easier and more comfortable this whole topic will become. And the shame is going to disappear. Mm-hmm. Joe, having been through two um, cycles or processes of surrogacy, where now you have children, um, what would you say in summary the experience has been like and would you change anything? No. Um, I mean, my um, second surrogate, well, the, the surrogate that we used for the twins has also become, like Robin said, part of our family now. So she's just become so close and actually become like a friend. Mm. So I found like I've, I've only gained from this process. Like nothing has been taken away. If anything, I've only gained. Mm. Gained better people in my life. I've gained better understanding um, better understanding of how of the privilege of what it's like to be able to have be able to have a child mm. um, and it's important to if you're afraid to confront these things you actually do yourself a disservice mm. because the longer you put it off the the worse it is mm. by, you know biologically and physically for yourself um, I remember the fertility clinic saying to me they wish that um, you know when people got to them they weren't um, they weren't at such a bad stage that they were, you know, they were old. I know Robin, you were younger, but that they were they were older, um, you know, and, and their eggs kind of had passed their, their sell-by date. They wish that, you know, in your late 20s, and I always tell people this, and this is the word that I wish to get out, is that in your late 20s, if you don't, you know, if you're not in a relationship and you, it, it it's, it's very cheap to just go and have a blood test. Mm. Just to see where, just to see where you are um, in terms of your egg levels, and put in provisions so that you don't have to go through. Even if you have to have a surrogate, so that you can maybe remove one part of the difficulty, like um, you know that you've got difficult eggs or a bad egg reserve. But the surrogacy journey has been amazing, mm-hmm. um, and I'm very open about it. I'm open to my kids about it. Um, Obviously, the twins don't understand yet, but to my five-year-old, you know, we regularly have conversations with his surrogate and, you know, it's a, it's a part of his story. I bought mm. him books when he was young on, on it and um, I feel it should be talked about more mm. because I feel lots of people are interested in it but don't want to ask because they either feel it's too secretive or mm. they're going to upset you, but there's nothing to be ashamed or upset about. It's... I'm proud that we got we got to have you know success and then we got to have beautiful children. Um, I would love to know from each of you, and I'll start with you, Robin. Um, in one sentence, how would you describe what the most difficult part of surrogacy is, uh, having gone through it for yourself? I think it's mourning the loss of not being able to be pregnant. Mm. not being able to carry this baby and not being able to birth this baby into the world. You know, we don't wake up any any morning of the week and decide, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get a surrogate mother. 
Um, I was desperate to be pregnant. I wanted to feel the baby grow. I wanted to mm. birth my own child. And that was the biggest loss for me. Mm. But once my surrogate was pregnant and going through all the morning sickness and all the, the highs and lows of pregnancy, I was actually quite relieved that mm. I'd actually handed it all over to her. So with that came a lot of relief as well for me. Handing it over to somebody who was so capable, physically strong mm. and mentally able to, to do this for me. There's relief in that too. Joe, what was the hardest part for you? I wish you asked me first because... <laughs> <laughs> it can be the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for me, there's that feeling of knowing that there's a baby growing inside of you with a heartbeat and that you're actually creating another being inside of you, like knowing that your body can do that mm. and knowing that you kind of... You, there's that thing where you can talk to your child through throughout your pregnancy and they get to hear your voice and, you know, you can play music to your child. And I don't know, there's just that whole, that whole process of your child lives inside of you. Mm. I think it's, it's that, it's that sadness that you, you didn't have that. And you can actually, you know, nice to point back at pictures and say, there you were inside my stomach, mm. you know, little, little things like that. And, um, yeah, I think it's just, to not just to not know what what that what that would be like. So, but there, I mean, obviously pros and cons, you know. Yes. No morning yes. sickness and all the other things that would would come with it. But it is the grieving and the you've got to be quite. It's it's quite a thing to go through to to relinquish that control yes. into the hands of a stranger who you don't know, and it's your most precious thing that you're relinquishing mm. control of. Mm. The most precious, precious thing. It's like your babies, you know, that you've wanted, mm. you're desperate to have, and it's your babies, and you've got to take a deep breath and say someone else is mm. going to take take them for this journey mm. and birth them and create them, and I've just got to sit back as like a passive bystander and, and, and watch it happen. I think it's that that mm. that for me is the was the difficult thing. Ladies, thank you so much to the both of you for coming to share your journeys with surrogacy and also the parts that you've spoken about, the infertility that maybe uh, those out there that have never really had to think about because they haven't had to deal with it might be more aware of how painful it is, as you've said, of not getting to have the opportunity of conceiving and carrying all the way to birth. But I'm so happy that you were able to, you know, through your different forms, in the case of yourself, Robin, adoption and surrogacy, in the case of yourself, Joe, surrogacy, you have your beautiful children. And um, I think that's the most important part of your stories. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. The discussion of infertility is not a new one on our show, but I'm hoping us revisiting the subject of surrogacy from the other side the women who have had to relinquish their dream of being able to carry for themselves and have their own children gets you aware to the fact that there is a way you can have your child. And yes, we're not writing off the fact that we know it is pricey, but the option is there. So I hope this brings you some hope. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a good night. Next time on Unpacked. You get attached to people. Yes, And yes. then when they leave, then you have to start from scratch because now there's new people coming in on the mm. ship. And so you could fail your medicals and lose everything. Yeah. 
three or four days, I was seasick. Yeah. I actually wanted to quit. Oh. If you're more reserved, then they will choose a more like older people's ship. If you're wow. more outspoken, then you do the entertainment cruises, which are shorter. Why does this sound like such an expensive exercise? It Because is. It is. <laughs> much for watching Unpacked with Rilip Khile Mamoja. Make sure you subscribe to my channel where you can get to watch more episodes. But more importantly, you can be part of our online community. Comment down below, share with us who you'd like to see on the show, what story you'd like us to discuss. We love engaging with you. Keep it coming and don't forget to subscribe.